RPC Sermons Podcast. Today's episode is a special episode from our Facebook Live series entitled Closing the Distance. These are unscripted conversations with the pastors of RPC and various special guests reflecting on topics from our ongoing sermon series. If you're interested in learning more about this community of faith, visit roswellprez.org. Closing the Distance, and my name is Terry Kish. I am the Director of Adult Discipleship here at Roswell Presbyterian Church, and we are joined by Jeff Myers, our senior pastor. Welcome, Jeff. Hi, Terry. So good to be with you. This is your first, this is your maiden voyage. On I know, I know. I'm usually behind the scenes. I know, so. You're making it all happen, so uh, yeah. thank you for stepping out into the light. And uh, All right, well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. on me. <laughs> I could say the same. Be kind. So, yeah, yeah. And um, so what's been going on? How are you? Uh, you were now you were playing golf yesterday, right? Yeah. So uh the Roswell Rotary has an annual golf tournament which fundraise um a bunch of money for uh doing good stuff here in the community. And um so I played with some RPC members and some of their family members so we just had a blast yesterday morning it was luckily we ever yep. in the morning flight so it was a little cooler in the morning than the afternoon oh good and you're just warming up for next next monday yeah there's a lot of golf in my future and then we've got an rpc <laughs> golf tournament on monday i think we've got close to 90 folks coming out so it's just been a great time Ooh, that's great it's a ton of money uh for our mission partners so super excited yes this is the season for golf uh charitable golf tournaments right yeah, it is yeah so if yeah. anybody else has any charities they want to raise money for, I am available. Okay. Uh, would, love, would love to play. Okay. Sounds good. Well, um, today, I mean, <clears throat> for closing the distance, we usually dig a little bit deeper into the previous um, or the Sunday sermon. And this past Sunday, your topic was on kindness. We're doing the fruit of the spirit. This is the fifth week, I think, that we've yep. been working through it. And, um, I was, I, I've thought about kindness before kindness and, and cause we use that a lot interchangeably with being nice. And, um, that's something that, um, I've, I've noticed a shift in our, um, culture that I think people are trying to use kind more than nice. I don't know if you've noticed that, but, yeah. um, it just seems like I, there's been more emphasis put on kindness lately, um, random acts of kindness, all of that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I felt like this was a pretty um, relevant topic uh, to our community and our, our culture. And um, one of the, I loved how you had the definition of kindness is it's love in action. It's just very simple. It involves action. Um, and you pointed out that by God sending his son to us, that was the ultimate kindness to us, 
And I never really thought about God um, being kind to us. You always think about it and loving us. So that was uh, just kind of a an aha I had. Um, just something, you know, sometimes things you think, oh, well, of course, but you don't always think about them that way. Yeah. So yeah. you pulled that from Galatians, I think, or from, uh, no, Ephesians, right? There was an Ephesians. Here's the Ephesians passage, along with the Galatians list of uh, the fruit of the spirit. And mm -hmm. one of the things people probably may not know, and I didn't highlight on Sunday, is in the Old Testament, one of the key words in Hebrew uh, that's used for God is hesed. Mm -hmm. It's a guttural H, but H-E-S-E-D, transliterated mm -hmm. into English. And it it means it's translated um, sometimes faithfulness, but that doesn't really get at it. But it also could be translated loving kindness, mm -hmm. loving God's loving kindness. And mm -hmm. so trying to take these two kind of ideas of love and kindness, lived out, love lived out, and mm -hmm. combine them in the Old Testament. And it's a, one of the critical words to understand God's relationship with God's covenant people, um, the Hebrew people. God is loving kindness, shows loving kindness to his people. Um, you know, oftentimes the God of the, you'll hear the God of the Old Testament gets a, a bad rap, right? He's vengeful, judgmental. Uh, but really, if you pay attention to God's loving kindness, God's faithfulness, people continue to revolt to rebel, to go their own way, to break the covenant commands um, that God has established, God shows great loving kindness um, and faithfulness to them over and over and over again. Um, and I think what we see in the New Testament is we see kind of the apotheosis, the high point, the apex of God's loving kindness uh, to God's world in Jesus Christ. That would be my interpretation of it. That's cool. And I I also appreciated how you pointed out that the Greek word for kindness is so similar to the Greek word for Christ. And you know, that and that people got got them confused even. So yeah, I, was, I hadn't thought much about it, but as I was doing my research, I was like, oh, Christos, you know, just one word, one letter difference, and Christos yeah. used for Christ, um, are easily confused even when you just hear it. Christos and Christos it's hard to know the the difference and so uh the early Christians were that um uh kind of confusion led them to being thought of as people of kindness which I thought was really lovely and I they probably didn't mind that right yeah. so because <laughs> that and, brings back yeah. the old the loving kindness yeah and in the first century you gotta remember you know there was there was not the um societal we can kind of take for granted, you know, like the 40 hour work week, the, um, you know, there are just labor practices, you know, we've got the SEC that I'll be looking out for your, uh, you know, uh, investments uh, that people are, are acting justly and, and truthfully. And uh, we take, you know, the, the doctors are trained, you know, we take all that for granted. And Christians, it was really a distinct community showing kindness to people that were rejected. So, Let's think of women, slaves and servants, children, uh, the sick. Um, you know, during the plague in Rome, you know, 5,000 citizens are dying a day. And, you know, family members, if you got sick, they would throw you into the middle of the street to die, to protect themselves. Wow. And a lot of Christians yeah. came along and showed kindness to those people who were thrown out. 
Why? Because they believed that that was their vocation, their calling was to be kind. Um, and that's one of the reasons uh, economists and sociologists of religion say there was explosive growth in the church because the church was living a way that was so distinctive from the surrounding culture that people found it compelling. And in the Judeo-Christian tradition, those of us in the West, our culture is living off kind of the residue or the fumes of the impact of that view of thinking. And mm -hmm. as we get further and further along, those two are sometimes disentangled. And I think the church forgets this great history we have of kindness and kindness and compassion ministries that we're called to. Um, so anyway, yeah, I mean, interesting. You, you touched on the, mo the modern world and how kindness has been viewed in the modern world. And with, uh, I mean, there were a number of different people you brought up uh, quotes about um, like, love thy neighbor as thyself is ironic because most people hate themselves. And I mean, just people really kind of- um, Yeah, that's Jacques Lacan, yeah. Yeah. He's a really and, close, um, kind of a Freudian analyst. That's, and it's very interesting how, I mean, people have not been kind throughout history, right? But there is this kind of modern, you talked about the masculinity of it, the, the kindness involves showing vulnerability and that there's this, I mean, I don't know how modern is modern, but you talked about the Jesus and John Wayne book and how that um, has kind of perpetrated a Christian masculinity that seems to go at odds against kindness and all of those kinds of traits. Um, what, how do you think kindness in biblical times or, you know, when, when these, uh, letters were written versus now, I mean, what, has it been this masculinity that's, that's been evolving in our culture or are there other things? Cause you know, we're all struggling all the time with, with, being good and kind and loving right right so i think so we're really talking post enlightenment so we're talking mm -hmm. 16th 17th 18th century there's a real philo so when i'm talking i'm thinking like a philosophical view of the human being okay okay and the assumptions about what it means to be a good person um what it means to what our vocation is what we're mm -hmm. here for what the purpose of a human life is about mm -hmm. the nature of relationships. Um, so I'm thinking about all of this has really shifted in a post-enlightenment world. Um, also with the impact of science and how do we mm -hmm. understand, you know, if we have an evolutionary view of the world, well, how do we make sense of a human, the human being in the midst of that when it's such a new kind of understanding um, mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. ideas. And mm -hmm. so there's this assumption, I think, especially in masculinity, I think I called it muscular Christianity, that the human being is the ideal that we're shooting for is to be unmoved, unshaken, um, uh, above it all, self-contained, uh, mm -hmm. not affected by change or emotion. Uh, and that is all seen as kind of weakness, okay? right. and strength and power and to be above it all like like the Marlboro man you know you're just smoking right. a cigarette with your Stetson on 
and you know as chaos is going on around you and you just kind of like the clint eastwood or john wayne view of life okay and and i think that's the modern kind of view what you have in post-modernity is a critique of that okay? mm -hmm. and i think as as christians we can recover a lot of our history compassion kindness love that true strength my image of a true strength is the parent or the teacher with a child who gets down on their level and speaks in their language and is able to show them who doesn't stand far off and shame shame know your name you know but gets on right. their level that's true right. strength and where do we get that um most centrally well in the incarnation that the god of the universe could could be so big but is so strong and powerful to become small that's true that's true strength that's true power okay? and that's a very uh counterintuitive view of um power and strength i think mm -hmm. that we assume is the ideal in our culture mm-hmm mm -hmm. well and i and i also i mean i was mentioning to you that this to you a little bit earlier, but I also, when you said, um, when we were talking, when you were talking about kindness and vulnerability and how it, it's vulnerable to show kindness. And I'd never thought about that before. And then I thought it's probably because I'm a woman and that's not, there's not as much pressure to show that masculine side of myself. And so I had never thought that it would, that you were showing vulnerability by being kind to people. I mean, I obviously thought, receiving kindness shows some vulnerability but yeah. it's kind of um it's kind of an irony right and i think and i do think it is gendered somewhat um i think for men there's more of a uh, cultural assumption of masculinity and john mm -hmm. Wayne mm -hmm. with these guys um, right then for women, the weakness yeah and i but i i, I think so, some of that's changing uh, as gender mm -hmm. norms kind of change um, that yep. I think women will probably experience the same kinds of pressures depending on the context uh, right. that they find themselves in. I, it'd be interesting to like do a survey like pe women and men in the workplace. Um, mm -hmm. I know my wife has said like, uh, you know, she's in a corporate context and mentors said to her, you know, you're going to feel an urge at a business lunch in a conference room and they'll have pastries over to the side with coffee. You will feel the urge to get up and go and get them and begin to hand them out. Resist the urge, they said, because what you're saying is you're putting yourself on a lower level than mm -hmm. the other folks that are around that conference table. Let mm -hmm. the men get up and do it, which mm -hmm. they rarely ever do. <laughs> and so that's, and I think some of those cultural assumptions are um, being called into question. Now, what I'm saying is, is true strength is being, and I think my wife does do this sometimes. True strength is figuring out, oh, I can I can get up and get the pastries and pass them out and use them as a show of strength, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I am serving as a, and so oh maybe now you're the person that oh. This is the person that can figure things out. They can mm -hmm. help you out. They they know how to um, uh, facilitate a uh, conversation and get people going. And you know, and that and that 
so I think there's an irony there. Um, uh, well, uh, and I mean, Christianity has always been countercultural, right? So it's just more, it's the same, but it's just slightly different in how, how it responds to the culture. Yeah, the culture. probably the classic <laughs> statement of, you know, how to understand Christianity and its relationship to culture is um, H. Richard Niebuhr's Christ in Culture. And he has kind mm -hmm. of a, uh, a three-part kind of schema that he says it's it's Christ against culture, okay? So you'd mm -hmm. see this like um, the like the Quakers, you know, who go and they're going to be all in their own um, community. They've totally rejected right. the outside world, okay? Christ against culture. But then you mm -hmm. have like Christ in culture or Christ of culture that, that mm -hmm. there's really no difference between Christianity and culture. Um, mm -hmm. So this would be like, God bless America, you know, mm -hmm. this kind mm -hmm. of sacralizing of of nationalism and the, and the nation state. Um, so it's really hard to pull those apart. And the third mm -hmm. view is he says, uh, Christ transforms culture. So that would be um, a Christianity that is in engagement with the culture, but critically. So, um, okay. you know, so like you're trying, um, trying to think of a good example, but like, uh you're engaging the let's say um oh, like uh, affordable housing or workforce mm -hmm. housing we're trying mm -hmm. to we're engaging the culture of housing but we're saying we need to provide housing not just not just to make money not mm -hmm. just uh to enrich ourselves but to to help people have affordable housing so they can live you know so that we have nurses right. teachers and police officers right. and community um right. and that would be a kind of a a christ transforming culture trying to engage with culture and make a difference mm -hmm. but not mm -hmm. being overwhelmed but to be mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's there's a bunch of different theories and um about that i mean it's always kind of difficult to put your finger on what exactly culture is um it's right. kind of a nebulous term and there's and it's going to be different in different regions and different. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as a former, I mean, I graduated with a BS in biology. So whenever you bring up biological stuff, I get all excited. And you uh, focused a little bit on the neurology of kindness and on, um, all the different things that happen when we're kind to people or when people are kind to us, all the physical things that are going on that make us feel good. Um, you talked about the helper's high, <laughs> yeah. kind of similar to a runner's high, I guess, um, that you would get. And that's true. You know, we do feel good when we help one another. Um, but yet we're still kind of resistant uh, to showing kindness you said in the beginning actually what was it you said you said um you know we're just not every not everyone is oh no we're you said um oh, here's my here's my note uh that there's a lack of kindness in our world and that um we have an ambivalence to kindness so um we kind of have this tension between actually being hardwired to be kind, but yet our psyche is kind of pulling us back a little bit, right? Yeah. So. And I think, I mean, all of us have a, I think an inherent like selfishness to us. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's important to love ourselves. It's not that, but I think, yeah. Um, but I think some of us, there's some of us are given to narcissism. Yes. Fear. Um, there's fear. fear. Uh, you know, uh, we want avoiving convenience. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of, it gets messy. There might be some messiness involved. Yeah. And so, yeah. I, um, and I think we, you know, we, I think a lot of people want to be kind and, mm-hmm. but sometimes we're angry. We're given mm-hmm. you know, all these other emotions that kind of fight against kindness. Um, so it's a challenge. And I think, you know, kindness is a virtue that as we kind of flex our muscle of kindness, we become more kind and it leads to right. more kindness. Right. Whereas, you know, if like we're angry uh, or selfish, it's going to lead to more anger and more selfishness. And and we know that that is not going to lead to uh, human flourishing or human health. So um, I encourage people to be yeah. kind. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was thinking um, it is like a muscle that you're kind of have to work out a little bit and get over that fear that you may have, you know, or, or whatever is holding you back. Um, yeah. And then, but then the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And it's just, Um, and something, I mean, your, your sermons are always packed with lots of good stuff and I could probably go on and on. Um, but I did want want to touch on this psychology, um, from the uh, piece from the university of Toronto was kind of towards the end of your sermon and the three different, um, what was it? The components of kindness. Yeah. Aspects or components of kindness. Components. Yeah, and there was the kind emotions or feelings, the kind cognition or thoughts, and the kind behaviors or actions, those three things. And I'm wondering, um, do you think those build on one another? Do you think that you're kind of going through all of that to then get to that final act of kindness? Yes. Or does it work that way, or do you think it's all just... Well, I think they're interrelated, and I think... think I mean, sometimes like you may not, you may not um, have kind emotions towards somebody. <laughs> you mm-hmm. may not have kind thoughts towards them, but you can still be kind to them. And I think, True. and oftentimes, you know, I, like I mentioned mission trips cause it's one I'm familiar with, but like mm-hmm. take folks to a, um, you know, to another culture or country, do a mission trip. Maybe you, you see poverty that maybe that you've never seen. Mm-hmm. And you didn't, you didn't know these people. You you went because you wanted you know some sun. You wanted to like you didn't have anything else to do that week. And in trying to be kind, all of a sudden you find yourself transformed. You start asking, "Oh wow, why are these people in poverty? Mm-hmm. I feel this child, you know, can't can't receive medical care that she needs. I feel compassion towards her. Mm-hmm. What am I? Doing? How can I? How can I make a difference when I go back to, you know, Georgia, you know, North America?" in you know through voting or or donating and giving like mm-hmm. so i think it's mm-hmm. they're in these three okay. are interrela- interrelated that makes sense i always like to try to make things linear but they usually yeah. never are so well, <laughs> I, you know i think yeah and, and she kind of lays them out like that so that's what uh-huh. i did I mean, uh-huh. in our, it's kind of funny in our rpc mission statement uh roswell presbyterian church is a family that's right. united in jesus christ to love with head, heart, and hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you see that kindness, uh, kind feelings, kind cognition, and kind behavior are is mm-hmm. 
embedded right in our mission statement. That's what we're about. Yeah, that was so cool how that was connected like that. Yeah. Did you do that on purpose? Think about it. <laughs> <laughs> is that where you is that where you got the uh, mission statement from? I'm gonna no, say no. no. It just so happened that <laughs> it happened to come. But like I think for RPC, like I think we care about I mean we're Presbyterian, right? So mm -hmm. we care about our, our heads, thinking through um theology, our culture, mm -hmm. our world critically. Okay. But we can't all be just locked up in our head. We've also got to feel stuff right. in our heart. I say, you know, we need a faith that is intellectually credible, but existentially fulfilling. And mm -hmm. so it speaks both to the head and the heart, but then it's got to flow out in service. It, it's, it's not an academic discipline. It's not meant for us to be trapped up in our ivory towers. No, it's got to flow right. out into the world and make an impact in our communities in our broader world. And so those three aspects, I think, mm -hmm. help us kind of encapsulate what we're about here at RPC. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, I love how our um, mission council has is, is given us lots of opportunities to serve lately. We have our monthly, um, what do they call it? The ROS RPV, right? Is that right? Yeah. Uh, RPV nights. Yeah, um, first Wednesday night of the yeah and, yeah and we're gonna have another um at least one or two of the all church serve days um so yeah I think yeah I've really appreciated that for our because I know sometimes our Bible study groups um you know they they get wrapped up in the study of the Bible which is great you know but it's also good to serve together as well absolutely yeah. absolutely and that's yep that's what we're about and we're not um here just to take in stuff but we're we're called to give and i think right. in giving and in serving is really probably where the real transformation of our lives occurs as we um as we step out in faith to serve to be kind mm -hmm. um, find ourselves uh growing in ways we otherwise wouldn't have yeah well was there anything else from your uh sermon or something that maybe you didn't get a chance to you had to cut out or I'm always fascinated by things that you never got to to mention <laughs> yeah that's great. I, I did cut out I'm trying to remember what I cut out I so it was a little longer than I'm accustomed it was like a minute or two longer than I would mm -hmm. shoot for but I really want to get in that last piece about the three aspects of cognition um, yeah or three aspects of kindness yeah. and uh so I think there's there's a lot more to explore about uh, kindness being seen as a weakness. Mm -hmm. um, and usually uh, the criticism about kindness comes in two forms. The first form is, is it says kindness is paternalistic. Mm -hmm. okay. hmm. And you see okay. these conversions of kind of when helping hurts. Right, uh, right. Toxic charity. They're worried right. about kindness is paternalistic. That mm -hmm. when I'm kind to somebody, I'm just, I'm not really trying to be kind to them. I'm trying to prove that I'm better than you or more powerful. Okay. Yeah. So that's one. I'm here to save you, kind of. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the modern critiques of kindness. Right. The other is the opposite. And it says that the weak, one of the only ways that they can control the strong or the powerful mm -hmm. is by being kind. And it's a manipulative tactic. Hmm. Okay. I'll, I'll be kind to my so this I'll be kind to my parents 
so they'll they'll give me stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be kind uh, to a boss. Maybe he'll give me a promotion or a raise. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. So that's those are the two kind of central critiques of kindness uh, today. So I that got cut out. But there that's, you go. Terry. Okay. Thanks. Go. No, that was fast. That's no. And I thought about when helping hurts. You meant there was one. Um, when you were talking about different critiques of kindness, you said there was one of your examples, like you can be too kind, that part. Yeah. I and then I, you, I forget what you said either, but I thought of the book when helping hurts when you said that. Yeah. And I, I interviewed, um, Brian, uh, Fickert a number of years ago in a, on a panel mm-hmm. and I, um, I went at, I don't say I went after him, but I, I did challenge him a little bit on this mm-hmm. topic. Because mm-hmm. he, I mean, he's an economist. He's just worried about maximizing the benefit to somebody, not being paternalistic, mm-hmm. which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I was like, fine. Like, sometimes doesn't Jesus just call us to be kind? Like, some sometimes, like, a, oh, a beggar. Uh, I was thinking about the UK when it says, um, your kindness could. Yes, that was it. That's it. And, yeah. But I, like, you know, people just worry, you know, if I give five bucks to somebody on the street, what if they, yeah. what if they buy alcohol or drugs? Right, right. And I'm like, sometimes it isn't, I'm called to be kind to that person, irrespective yeah. if they buy alcohol, drugs, or Kleenex. I don't know. But like, yeah. it's about me being kind and them experiencing a, just a genuine kindness that yeah. maybe helps them, maybe encourages them yeah. in, in the midst of whatever has gotten them in their social location that they're at. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Brian, when I asked him, you know, he, I think he felt a little unsettled because mm. <laughs> sometimes, you know, kindness doesn't fit in into our economic equations. And mm-hmm. it's called, it's for me to be kind. Um, right. Just simply because it's good to be kind. Right. Uh, so, Even if maybe you would be taken advantage of, but that's not your, that's not your concern. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's that's kind of my view. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Although um, I had a, uh, one of my favorite uh, tactics I saw with um, kind of panhandlers uh, when I was in Seattle, you know, and the, mm-hmm. you just, there was tons of them around. So they're always hitting mm-hmm. you up for money. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes these guys that were like living on the streets, it was self, they, I mean, they were had PhDs. I mean, they were like, it was, you know, yeah, a lot of stuff going on. And right. so there's this guy I knew who was a, a pastor in Seattle. And he would go, anytime a uh, panhandler would ask him, hey, hey, can I have five bucks? And this guy would say, I'll tell you what. I'll give you all the money in my pocket if you give me all the money in your pocket. Oh. He never had anybody take him up on it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's just a really fun, uh, <laughs> I'll give you yeah. all the money in my pocket if you yeah. give me all the money in your pocket. Yeah. <laughs> That's so you can try that. Uh, I, okay, I'll try. I I have in the past just gotten gift cards, you know, yeah. and given those out. That's so, great. Yeah. In fact, I probably need to get some more. Um. All right. Well, I know that we have a time limit here, so I want to wrap things up. And yep. next, can we talk about next week? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So okay. So what's I'm, next week? I've been just thinking about that this morning. So um, trying to get ready. Or, or I'm making preparations for my preparations, but mm-hmm. uh, the next word 
in the NRSV, in the list of the fruit of the spirit, is generosity. Okay. But in the uh, NIV and other translations, it's translated goodness. So we have right. this interesting word here, agatho in Greek, mm -hmm. of generosity and goodness. And so we're going to have to explore that, what that means. Um, it's a combination of goodness and generosity, understanding goodness as generosity. And I think mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what it means is goodness that is good for others. Goodness that mm. benefits others. Okay. And so that's that makes, okay. That makes sense. Spirit. So mm -hmm. you can kind of see where we're going to go with this. Um, hopefully we'll have uh, some interesting things to say. I'm sure you will. I don't doubt it. Well, um, okay. Well, I also wanted to put a plug in. So if you yeah. enjoyed this kind of conversation, we have these uh, events called Theology on Tap, and we have one coming up in October. Uh, it's October 16th for all age groups. We have some that are just for young adults, but um, we're going to have one for all age groups. And it's it's basically this kind of conversation that we're having right now. So I want to encourage people to come to that. Um, but more yeah, information on the website. Um, on the events page of our website. Okay. Or they can just email me, and I can give them Terry at RoswellPress.org. Terry, T E R I. Right. Just uh, one R and an I. So. There you go. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. This has been fun. Thank you, Terry. Um, really I fun. appreciate your time and I hope you have a great day. You too. I'll see you soon. Take care. Take care. Bye.